Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast number 191. I'm your host and resident wizard, Darren. Support for this podcast is brought to you by our patrons and Twitch subscribers. As I'm no longer contracted by Piranha Games, your support means more than ever and literally keeps this content on the air. Would you like to support the podcast? Become a Twitch sub today at twitch.tv forward slash NGNGTV or find out more about becoming a patron of the podcast at patreon.com forward slash No Guts, No Galaxy. So today's podcast is a special one. It's one that I've been waiting for for a very long time, literally years. Our special guest today is Sean Colton. He is the music composer and sound designer at Piranha Games for both MechWarrior Online and MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries. Um, I've been you know, seeing Sean and talking to Sean for years. Every year we go up to MechCon, we hang out, we talk, and uh, throughout the year I've always been hitting him up for either audio files or just to talk about uh, various aspects of the sound and the music. Awesome guy. Uh, I've gotten to know him pretty well, and uh, I really respect what he does and um, appreciate all of the the music and the the sounds that we get in the game. And so it's 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 a cool interview, one that I've been waiting for uh, for a long time. We finally got down to do it, and um, I think that excitement shows. And that the interview itself goes almost two hours. It was like an hour and forty minutes. So this is a long podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, let me know in the comments. Let me know if you want more of these types of interviews. What's not included in today's podcast is the usual discussion about, uh, you know, whatever's happening in my life, news, movies, TV, books, games, etc. And, uh, and I also don't get into the news about MechWarrior Online, uh, MechWarrior 5, Battletech, and so forth. So that will be coming in a future podcast. Hopefully tomorrow I'll be recording that on Friday. And um, I'm thinking about doing regular podcasts. Well, basically what I'm thinking about doing is podcasts on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday right now. So the Wednesday podcast would typically be one where I have a guest and it will run longer. And then I'm thinking about doing just like a, a discussion and news podcast on Mondays and Fridays. So again, let me know in the, con uh, the comments if that's something that you guys want to hear, uh, if that's something you would enjoy. I want to put out podcasts that you guys want and, uh, you know, that you're enjoying. So let me know. Um, other than that, I'm going to get right into this because, like I said, this is a special interview, special podcast for me, and I don't want to waste any more time getting to it. So we're going to kick it off. This is Sean Colton, composer and sound designer at Piranha Games, and here we go. Enjoy. And now for something completely different. Four, three, two, one. Hi. Welcome to the future. But no. Remember, no guts, no galaxy. All right, and we are going to get to our special guest for today. I'm very excited because this is a guest that I've been wanting to speak with for years, literally for many years. Um, I've uh, seen him uh, every year in December up in uh, Canada, Metcons and so forth, and uh, talked to him all the, all throughout the year. In regards to his music and his audio in both MechWarrior Online and MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries, the new release, I am, of course, talking about Sean Colton, the uh, audio guru um, for uh, said titles. And um, I suppose your your title, your official title for what you do with uh, Piranha Games is composer and sound designer. Is that correct, Sean? And welcome to the podcast. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, yeah. My title. Yeah. It pretty much covers it. I mean, it's it's everything audio, really. I mean, uh, as I've mentioned, I think 
to you privately. I didn't wasn't really doing much with the dialogue stuff this this time around, but um, you're talking in regards to MechWarrior Five. Yeah, MechWarrior Five, but yeah, so sound design and um, and music. Yeah, mm -hmm. anything that kind of comes out of the speakers that makes anything noise. that you're listening to. Yes. Yeah, but but you were uh, involved in voiceover or voice acting with MechWarrior Online and trailers yes. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, I was I was um, handling it all at one point. Um, right, and so yeah, it may change in the future. I don't know. Cool, cool. So now, when you do, you self-identify more as a musician, or do you self-identify more as just sound and audio? Everything you're into it all. <sighs> yeah, I think. All of it, you know, just because it really is pretty equal weight, equally weighted. I mean, even if NWO was more weighted towards just sound design. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say both, you know, I kind of, that's why I, I probably audio designer could be another term that can get thrown around. I mean, there's lots of titles that can get thrown around. Sure. Um, for what I do, but um, I have. The main, the main thing is you like to make noise. I like to make noise. And record it. Yes, I do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which, you know, we, we all, uh, I don't know if I could say we all did, but uh, I, I did a lot of that as a kid. And as I had mentioned, my, you know, I do have some music in my history back when I was a teenager in my 20s and so forth. Um, and one of the things I did was I ran a little music magazine out of California and I would interview a lot of musicians and artists and so forth. And back then, you know, I always had a question that I'd ask. It was kind of how I kicked off interviews. And that is, uh, what's in your CD player right now? Obviously, we don't live in that uh, era as much. I mean, people are still listening to CDs, but uh, the gist of the question is, what are you listening to right now? What are some things, if you were to jump in your car right now or um, relax and, and turn on the uh, your speakers, what are we gonna hear? Oh, wow, this is this is a big uh, question. Of course. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I could go on for hours about the music I listen to. Um, well, right now, it's been uh, definitely kind of experimenting with some new stuff I haven't listened to in the past, like, um, or I've been aware of, but haven't delved into, I guess you could say. So mm -hmm. one thing has been a lot of uh, Funkadelic Parliament stuff. Um, nice bass. Yeah. yeah just Do you play bass? I, I play bass as because out of necessity being a guitar player, sure. I guess, and doing it all myself. But I like, I've always liked bass, you mm -hmm. know, um, and definitely, you know, Funkadelic and Parliament really put that in the forefront. Good stuff, yeah. Really good stuff. And it's, you know, if you like, it's kind of like, is a big, which I didn't actually know, it shows, I was just a bit ignorant about it, is that there's a big Hendrix influence in the music. And I'm a huge Jimi Hendrix fan. And so I was listening to some of this stuff and I was just mm -hmm. like, wow, it just takes Hendrix and, takes it into a whole funky new level and all these lots of experimentation which i always love right um no no boundaries i mm -hmm. felt so yeah i've been listening to a ton of that um i've kindly finally got into the uh the loop of devo um <laughs> <laughs> whip band, it. yeah whip it that i've always pigeonholed as the whip it band and I'm sure I'm not the only, I'm the only one. Um, sure. Even though some of the artists that I have a huge amount of respect for always cite Devo as an influence, yeah. I just couldn't bring myself to listen to them for whatever reason. But by chance, and YouTube is great for this, is that you happen to click on a link and next thing you know, you're converted because oh, you've yeah. heard music you haven't heard before and you're like, wow, this is getting the, the hairs in the back of my neck ending up. And Oh, yeah. Um, and I found that with Diva, I went through their, gone through their catalog, and I was just really, really digging their stuff. I mean, I just, I think it's fantastic music. It's interesting music. The message that they portrayed and the image I thought was terrific, especially 30 years ago. Um, yeah. 
they're, they're like an onion, you know. You know. Yeah. I, I did uh, recently hear. What's the main guy from Devo? The one that's doing the, still working in the industry, doing uh, TV and and and. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Mark. I, his last, I'll, pr- I'll mispronounce his last name, so I won't yeah. uh, butcher it. Well, I heard him on a recent podcast, and he's very in- involved in music and TV and soundtracks and, uh, you know, very intelligent. And I loved, very well-spoken, great interview. I heard him on a recent podcast. And, yeah, it's it's fun when you find an artist who you kind of pigeonhole or you think you have your head wrapped around like Devo would be easy to write off as a one hit wonder mm-hmm. and not a lot of depth, but they're a total onion. You start getting into it Definitely. and you're like, wow, there's so many layers to this. And I get lost on, you know, YouTube and, and stuff like that all the time with music. Um, cause you, you start researching and then I'll pull up Wikipedia and I'll read about every song and how, you know, what happened in the studio when they're recording it and what inspired them. And, you know, I'll look for documentaries on these artists and, you know, it'll be, I start with just, I happen upon a video and then three or four hours later, you know, <laughs> yeah, you I've know had everything. a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, that's what's the Absolutely. beauty of, of modern day um, technology is that you can do a deep dive into a band in the evening mm-hmm. now, right? And Absolutely. Uh, learn a lot. I mean, I, I didn't even know that Mark was doing soundtrack stuff and yeah. uh i've heard his soundtracks i mean i think he did the recent hotel transylvania which i've watched with my children and right on and, I, and so it's just cool to wow like he's taken going from that pop aesthetic and then being able to transform himself into this you know um great composer sure. so yeah i mean um back to the main question um mm-hmm. so that you know a lot of blue stuff like john mail um stevie ray vaughn um mm, good loves, stuff yeah, I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, yeah. And always, you know, I'm always liking the heavier stuff. I've been really into, well, I'm a huge fan of a band called Hot and Fire. And I constantly have them um, on my iPod or nice. on my desk and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Big influence on me. And kind of like sometimes really extreme stuff. I, I, I like like heavy, heavy stuff like Nile and um, mm-hmm. Amon Amarth and... Um, kind of into that death metal melodic death metal realm um melodic death metal yeah back in my day that was an oxymoron but uh <laughs> <laughs> but no i get it i get yeah. it yeah um so that kind of feeds that part of my personality well and then you know stuff like tool you know mm-hmm. the new tool record i'm still digesting sure. um yes, so am i i, I yeah. like it uh it's been it's a long great. time we've been waiting a long time it's a yeah. good album though yeah it's terrific and there's with tool it, it's not a one listen and you're on no. to the next thing it's not at all it's a, a year investment into yes <laughs> listening um there's another band called opeth that i really mm-hmm. like lately mm-hmm. their record came out last year i've been listening to a lot and it's kind of progressive like i like a lot of progressive music as well um mm-hmm. back to like king crimson and all that kind of stuff so right on yeah i mean that kind of i mean i was listening to duran duran real a couple mm-hmm. of days ago, love that stuff, you mm-hmm. know. So I, I listen to everything, anything. It's there's two types eclectic of eclectic tastes, yeah. Yeah, there's good music, two types. And bad music. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, go. I don't know if you remember this, but I very distinctly remember when I was in fifth grade, uh, the very first um album that I bought, and back then it was actually a record, and uh, my first was uh, ACDC, Dirty Deeds. And I just remember, you know, which was a, for a fifth grader, it was a little bit naughty to have that. I was excited. I felt, you know, all grown up. And but it was my first record and it totally made an imprint on me. Even to this day, ACDC is my favorite band. Um, but I remember 
what I was going to get at is, um, you know, we live in such a cool world in, in a lot of ways, like the instant gratification of music, especially it's so easy right now. I subscribe to Napster. We have Amazon or we have, yeah, Amazon with an Alexa. So like literally any piece of music I want to hear, it's instantaneous. I can download it. I can listen to it on, on our Alexa in the car, whatever. Um, and that's so different from when I was a kid, man, like just even being able to discover music and then you had to go down to the record store. Um, you know, it was a process and maybe there, it was more, uh, you know, paid off because it was so much work to get it. But, um, do you miss those days? Like I loved the actual albums, whether it was your, a record or a cassette or a CD and opening it up. I used to read it from cover to cover and, you know, and everything from the lyrics to where they recorded, who was involved in all the pictures. Like I breathed that in. I lived it. Like I just loved that so much. And I miss that in today's mediums as far as how we obtain music. There's things that I think are great, but I do miss that. What about you? Do you remember that? Yeah, no, I mean, cause I, I was a kid through the 80s and then mm -hmm. in the early 90s. So, you know, music was, you know, you'd go down to the music store and you'd purchase it. So, I mean, it was, it was always a, an event. Yeah. You know, me and a couple of friends, we'd get an allowance or if we were working odd jobs, have some money, take the bus down in Vancouver. It was um, A and B sound and uh, mm -hmm. like Sam the Record Man. And then there was track records, which carried more of the underground stuff. That's where sure. you'd go for the, Stuff that you're kind of not too sure, you know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah, kind yeah. of want to experiment with stuff, but you're yep. kind of like a bit nervous. <laughs> and you'd um, only have so much money. And so you're yeah. like, okay, how many albums can I get with this money? And I'd always yeah. have like 10 that I wanted, but only three that I could pick out. <laughs> exactly. Because you also couldn't preview them, right? So yeah, you may have heard a song on the radio or mm -hmm. seen a video or in a lot of cases, none of that because the bands were so underground. They didn't have yeah. an exposure. So yeah, I mean, there's something... I. I look back on that very fondly. You know, I love waiting for my record would come out and say, um, and I'd sleep over at a friend's house and it'd be released the next morning. So we'd take the bus early in the morning and pick it up first thing. And <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, there was something really cool about that. I mean, nowadays I couldn't see myself doing it full of responsibilities, I guess. Right. But, yeah, uh, no doubt. You know, as a kid with nothing really going on, it was wonderful. Um, and yeah, I, I liked having packages. I, I liked having, it was more CDs for me at that time, mm -hmm. um, just to be able to open the booklet, read the, read the lyrics along with, as it's playing and all yeah. the details. I mean, I've always been into production and who produced it. Um, totally. So I love that. And, um, you know, nowadays, as same with you, like I, the availability is fantastic. Like I, I'm able to find stuff that I couldn't have found in the old ways, I guess you could say, or if I did, I would have had to pay like $400 for it. Yeah. Um, totally. You know, cause it was like a triple import or something, you mm -hmm. know? And, uh, so that to me is fantastic. And I've, I've actually discovered more music because of the availability. Um, right. because I'm not tight with money and like going, okay, this is all I can get, you know? So risks were a bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, I miss the the aesthetics of it and the holding stuff. That's why I've I think I've probably talked to you in private about I've gone to vinyl. So I kinda get the best of both worlds where I That's so cool. Yeah, I I buy not a lot of vinyl, you know, mm -hmm. it gets up there in costs and stuff like that. And sure. um but I pick out some of my favorite records and I put them on vinyl and I'll just sit down and, and it'll be an experience. I'll sit down and look at the cover and listen to it and you know, I, I can run it through my system and I just, it just sounds 
has a unique sound that you can't replicate anywhere absolutely in fact there's a canadian radio station that has a youtube channel that has artists and and they're mostly canadian artists um but uh you know a lot that are um you know international stars and they come on and they drop the needle on one of their songs and they talk about i can't for the life of me remember the name of the youtube channel Mm -hmm. but it just has hundreds and hundreds of um different artists coming in and talking about their songs and there's just something and they all you know 90 percent of these artists say something very similar is that there's just such a good feeling about dropping that needle onto the record and hearing that sound and uh you know i don't know if it's it might just be nostalgia it might just be that um, but I, I kind of suspect it's a little bit more. There's a warmth to records and obviously it's subjective and there's people that will tell you digital is hundred percent better and, or there'll be people that will argue the same for, for uh, vinyl, but, um, there is just something I love dropping needle on a record. Yeah. There's, I mean, I, I've always been of the, of the thought that there's no better, you know what I mean? Like no. they're just different. If you enjoy so, it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I totally, I'm fine with the digital medium. I, I listen to a lot of music that way. It's. It sounds fine. I mean, some things are, you know, you can you can tell. I mean, it's overly compressed, or you know, sure. it just has a certain uh, fatiguing sound to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, vinyl, it definitely has a certain warmth to it. And I would imagine that there's probably some frequencies in it that we can't even hear that are somehow right. being. You know, there's there's other things I think going on within the yeah. you know the music coming off vinyl that might not be consciously. Right. Um, you know, um, you, you, that you can really pick up consciously, but subconsciously there's some kind of vibe going on. So, I mean, I don't mean to get all you know, mm-hmm. spiritual about it, but there's definitely a vibe to it, and it's not for everybody, and that's totally Dude, cool. You know? what is music if it's not spiritual? And I don't mean in a religious way, but, like, yeah. I think every music imprints on everybody. You can... Pretty much anybody, you can play a song from their past or whatever, and they will remember the first time they heard it or, you know, like it it imprints on events in our lives. There's so many songs um, or artists that I listen to and boom, I'm instantly, you know, back 20 years or something with a certain mood or a certain feeling. Um, I I absolutely think there's spirituality to music. Um, You know, it evokes um, emotions and feelings like nothing else to me. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. I mean, um, <clears throat> there's, you know, I, I can't imagine a day without it. And as you said, I when I look at my history and when I reflect on my life, it's all revolved around the music at the time. You know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, situations in my life where, you know, the, there was certain music around that time and it all... It, if I hear that piece of music, I can remember that time much totally. clearer, you know? So, yeah, no, I agree. And I and I think that, um, I think it kind of bothered me a little bit. I'm not the only one that it felt like music was not che- maybe cheapened a little bit, I think, with technology um, mm. in terms that- of, you know, free downloading. And, you know, I don't want to get into that whole discussion, but... <laughs> um, you know, a lot goes into making music and a lot of artists yes. put their heart and soul into it. And um, I think it's changed now. I, I think that, but there was a time there it was kind of really depressing that, you know, um, it was easier to spend $2 and a cup of coffee than spend $2 and a piece of music for some, yeah. for a segment of the population. But yeah. I feel that things are moving in a more positive direction now and there's a renewed value in music. Right. 
Um, so yeah. well, that that kind of segues into my next question, which might you know I don't want to get you in trouble or anything like that, or yeah. myself. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to offend anybody in the audience. And this will probably sound like a typical, uh, you know, from me, it'll sound like a typical old guy going, kids these days and <laughs> back in my day. But it, it's not that. It's I've seen a lot of discussion, um, you know, about this kind of take on modern music, which, mm-hmm. and, and now I, this isn't just, I don't, I don't want to make a blanket, a blanket, blanket statement, um, you know, and just say, all music today is awful because I certainly don't feel that way. I think there's incredible artists out there. Um, but I do often see the comparison to today's music, modern music to, you know, music from our, our, the past, whether it's, you know, the, the 20th century or um, maybe even the early 21st century in, in just that um, because it's so, you know, almost pre-made and there's the whole electronic music and you can, almost write a song without really being a musician um and there's you know djs you know don't get me started with that there's a lot of people that you know consider uh djs as somebody who presses play you know um now of course i'm not saying any of those are 100 percent my belief there's are djs out there that write their own music and they're incredible and you know i'm i have nothing against dance music or electronic music a lot of the music i like liked in the 80s would you know fall in that genre or whatever um, but, uh, what is your feeling on modern music? And, and that could be like, you know, singer songwriters and, um, or, or, or bands. Do you feel like we've lost some of the heart and soul of music? Do you feel like that still exists, but maybe you have to look harder for it? Um, do you feel like people are getting away with being considered, musicians or artists that might not deserve it and i think we can say that's always been the case there's been musicians throughout the years that maybe didn't deserve it as much as others um but then also of course and boy is this a loaded question right um (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then of course there's it's 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 open to interpretation it's it's art so who am i to say anything about it and who you know but what is your take on i know i'm so sorry for such a big question (laughs) but modern music versus stuff we grew up with oh boy here we go the loaded question um well i'll I'll preface it by you know saying that like i said about vinyl you know in the end like music it gets um kind of stumbling on myself here it's okay it's a tough question (laughs) don't know where to start right yeah no um well do you have an appreciation for modern music yeah i mean i think you know i'm not aware of the latest greatest stuff that comes out i i i know what i like you know and i i know what resonates with me i'm always um i always listen to something i you know and and give it a shot Mm -hmm. Uh, my wife is much more in tuned to kind of newer stuff and and i hear stuff from from her and there's some good stuff you, you know what i mean i i think a lot of it for me Besides, and I'm not talking about like the real pop pop stuff, which I, I have no, um, I'm not aware of because I don't just don't, don't listen to have, it. Don't right? listen to it. And I just don't have, I just have no interest. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it just kind of sounds like stuff I've, I've heard before and a new take. And it's not the fault of the artists. It's just, you know, a lot of stuff has been written through the decades and you, you wonder where it can go from there, like how many times you can reinterpret something. Yeah. Um, so, and I think technology 
has one side allowed a lot of people to have a voice to create music, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of it is that sometimes making music, having restrictions is important. Um, where now when you're making music, you can have a thousand tracks, you can have any sound you want, you can take it in any direction. Where, you know, earlier times, you were pretty limited to what you could use. Even a band like Depeche Mode, which I love, and they mm-hmm. came out in the 80s, electronic band. Yep. Um, they had a, a lot of still limitations within how they made their sounds um, and how they produced it. And it created fantastic music so sometimes i wonder if if modern music suffers from having too many options to to work with and it also i think one issue could be is that the ten thousand hours which is an old term used to oh yeah hone i say it craft. to my daughter all the time she doesn't yeah. get it <laughs> yeah and it's and that's and it's not the fault of the younger like a younger i mean i sound like my dad she's um, i know <laughs> we do younger, younger generation it's just the environment that that we're all living nowadays. Like, you know, when I was learning how to play guitar, for example, I didn't have any other distractions. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, there was TV. Um, I had a Nintendo, uh, but that was it. And those were limited experiences. Sure. So the rest of the time outside of school, I was playing guitar. Um, where nowadays there's so much to do, whether it be games or just social media. So, you know, I kind of wonder how many, I'm not saying there isn't because I'm sure there are, but how many artists are putting in the 10,000 hours that yeah. I think are required to really make some special music. Um, you know, it's all cycles. You yep. know, we could see things turn around and, you know, stuff changes and new voices are heard and reinterpretation of, of the old stuff that I'm completely unaware of that can happen happens. Yeah. Um, happens you know but i said like uh, you know if people like something that's awesome you know it's it's if enough said right if yeah, you like it you like totally. it totally i'm i'm not one to to judge people what they listen to or right. you know it's it's all personal opinion and i think that it's really important that we allow that to continue for music because um because that's what it's about. We shouldn't be told what we like or what we, we should yeah. listen to. We should find totally. what we enjoy, what inspires us or whatever. Um, I totally agree. The limitations, I think, did bring a, a, another level. And that could be applied to you know bands going further back than Depeche Mode, like just the Beatles. The, oh, the, totally. Yeah. You know, the Beatles basically invented all kinds of forms of recording and yeah. making music because it didn't exist before them. Yes. And, they, and out of that came masterpieces, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I do agree somewhat to the limitations, although I think that there's somebody that was more in tune with modern music might be able to say also bring up examples of where not having limitations have created masterpieces. And I don't doubt that at all. Oh, yeah, totally. I, 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 I would not discount that at all. And I think even probably into in the composing realm of things like, you know, film composer and game composers, you know, not having limitations has allowed yeah, um, a lot of um, great composers to create fantastic scores because sure. they can have everything at their fingertips. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think that's you know when I said it's kind of like a, a balanced situation. There's definitely a plus to that. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. think I think for us, the, the ex- I think the exposure 
um, point that you made is is totally solid. It's not I you know I don't I think you and I both you know and probably different artists maybe or, or somewhat overlap but we could find modern music that we can absolutely appreciate and i know i do hear songs my daughter loves you know like um panic at the disco or imagine dragons okay. or whatever and i can absolutely find music within there that i enjoy i think they're great talented artists and there's and and so but for me it is definitely exposure my wife and i were watching the uh the grammys the other night and uh i'm like i don't know who any of this uh, these people are you know I've, yeah. I've i've seen them on my periphery um you know uh as far as i see them in pop culture i see them on instagram or or twitter or whatever so i i know of their existence but i'm not exposed enough to the music to um probably appreciate them so i think there's a bit of a generational thing there and and that if we were exposed to more we'd probably find more to appreciate um but i all and i also and first of all, I do, I bring up the 10,000 hours thing all the time with both my daughter and just family and friends or whatever. Um, I don't hear that used as much as it was used back in the day. And that could apply to any trade or, or art form or anything, um, you know, stand up comic or, uh, you know, anything, yeah. um, just mastering your craft. And, and, but at the same time, I see these you know, prodigies today that, you know, are playing 10 instruments by the time they're 10 years old. And, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> because they've had exposure to things that we didn't have, you know, they've been able to, because of modern technology and, um, you know, uh, distribution methods or whatever, they've been able to be exposed to a lot more than maybe I was uh, as a 10 year old. So I think it definitely goes both ways. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think, some, I mean, some of the stuff I've seen on YouTube of, of what kids are able to play nowadays, I mean, I wouldn't insane, even, it's, right? It is insane. So, <laughs> you know, and I, and I love that because it, it yeah. also shows an appreciation, whether I like the music or not is relevant, mm -hmm. but it shows an appreciation to really um, put your heart and soul into, into learning something, you know, Absolutely. which I think is, is extremely important. Um, and especially with music because uh, it's, um, you know, especially kids at that age, if they can get that proficient, you know, you did the, there's so, there's so many places, you know, one can go. Um, I just think music is very powerful and it's something that we are lacking in today's education. I mean, I don't know, yep. like Canada compared to the U.S., but uh, the arts have just been sucked dry from all the schools. <laughs> like there's no funding. Um, and, and I always get so excited when I see uh, schools that, you know, put a, a major focus on school band and marching band and stuff like that, because you know how many of our rock stars that we love today got started, you know, in school marching band. <laughs> yeah. You know? no, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say both of our kids, I, I have two older kids. Um, you know, they both went through marching band and, and yeah. just being able to, um, see that appreciation of music, uh, kind of come out and blossom in a, in a kid is awesome. And, you know, and I've seen some of the people that were in their marching band go on to their professional musicians today. And, and I just think we need that in our world. Music is absolutely a universal language. You know, there's, there's, there's songs that you can press play and, you know, you can take a hundred countries throughout the world and they'll know within seconds what that song is, who the artist is, and they'll love it and they'll sing along regardless of whether they know the language. Um, I just think uh, music is super important and uh, we we tend to lose that focus. It becomes more of a uh, uh, any, anyway, I, I think it's something we need we need in our lives. It's not something it's not a want. It's a need. 
Yeah, I, I think it goes back to balance, right? And I think yes. that, you know, having that artistic element, especially for children. Um, I mean, my kids are in, in, in grade school and they're, they're, they have music classes at school and um, I'm happy to see that. Um, so they, you know, they do singing and they learn percussion and different instruments yeah. come in. And, and it's just about exposure. I mean, 90% of them might not take any interest into it at all, but subconsciously, you know, it could do a lot of positive things. And there might be the 10% that might have not found a path in their life um, without it, but they've been exposed to music now. So now they have a path that they can, they can go to um, for the future because, you know, there's many paths to take in life. And I think music is, and audio is, is, an, is, a, is an option, you know. Yeah. Is nothing wrong with that. And um, so exposure is, is, yeah, very important. Absolutely. All right. So what is your story? Where did you grow up? And, uh, you know, like what, where, where did, uh, Sean begin? Sean began. Well, I, I grew up in, in, um, Vancouver. I've been a Vancouver boy my whole life and, uh, um, right yeah. Um, a healthy music scene then, right? Cause it's not that far from Seattle. And, uh, I know you have the Commodore where we did the, uh, the first Metcon, yeah. Um, and some amazing artists have come through there. You have a very um, vibrant and active music scene up there, so that's cool. Growing up in that, yeah, no, there was always a, a pretty good scene here. I, I, you know, I never partake partook in it that much. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was growing up, I was in a little band and stuff like that, but we were just kind of having fun. Um, in high school, I was fortunate enough to have um, a really great music teacher. I, I think that's the best, man. Yeah, this goes back to the education part of it is that, yeah. um, you know, I had a huge amount of support from my, my parents, which is which is huge, right? But then having the additional support from um, teacher mm -hmm. makes all the difference. So when I was in high school, I don't mean to jump around here, but... Uh, it's okay. Yeah, um, I had a terrific teacher and really allowed me to... Um, take extra music classes and he was always you know kind of going to bat for me um about doing music as extra electives and uh so you know my music scene was kind of me kind of localized in in my little school band and then in my bedroom <laughs> yeah for sure you know i i i do looking back at it now i wish i would have got out more to see more local stuff because there was so much great stuff but yeah you know Hindsight. Oh, it was. Yeah. I, I remember my high school music teacher very distinctly. I can't remember her name, but she was awesome. And even though I didn't, it, I didn't accept maybe, it's not like I turned away her, her, what she was sharing with me and, and turned my nose up to it, but it, I don't think it connected with me at the time, although I appreciated her as a teacher. But then later, the music that she really loved, um, I started to appreciate. And then, all the stuff that she said came back to me and and you know i remember her um she uh she would go you got to listen to this song this is this is one of the best songs in the world and it was tom sawyer and oh, nice. uh, which yeah and so uh, you know being canadian i'm sure you appreciate rush yeah, of, of course and, yeah. and so she loved it and she shared that passion with me and i just remember her sitting down and playing the song and we just listened to it from start to end and i liked the music certainly i was aware of rush um, yeah. but it, it didn't, I was into other things at the time. I, um, but, uh, anyway, looking back, 
that person, even though I can't remember her name, made a total impact um, and, and, and sharing her love and the passion for it. And, and that's what I love to see in, you know, t music teachers in, in high school or, or younger <laughs> is just sharing that passion and what kind of an impact uh, music can have with, with kids and growing up. Yeah, I mean, I, I go back to that teacher as well. I mean, it was kind of the first seeds planted, I think, for mm -hmm. composing because I, I remember, I mean, there was, I played guitar in the band, but he also tried to push me into the or orchestra. You know, we had a, a right. orchestra band and, you know, initially I was going to play cello, but mm -hmm. it never worked out. So I, I played bass, you cool. know, in it. And so he was always, you know, opening, trying to open my very closed teenage minds, you know, um, musically at the time to other things. And I, and I look back at that as a little push into that, you know, playing in an orchestra and reading music and um, really enjoying the sound of even a small little band orchestra, just enjoying all those instruments um, gluing together. Sure. Um, definitely had an effect on me later in my life when I decided to, you know, go down a certain path of my, of my career. So your high school band, was that really your only band experience? Like, did you play in bands after high school? No, I, I was, you know, I had a, it was the high school band was like, you know, the internal school band, but then I had a little band of a couple of friends of mine. We'd play like, um, you know, like Van Halen stuff and Metallica stuff and sure. this and that. Um, but after that, no, I, I was never a live guy or a performing guy. I, I just never went down that route. I, I looked at being a session musician after mm -hmm. high school. And so I went down to Los Angeles for a year to study at a um, Musicians Institute, which oh, is yeah. very, and you know, my goal, I mean, I, I think I kind of, I thought I wanted to be a session musician, but mm -hmm. as I progressed through the year, I realized I did not want to be <laughs> right the one. And I actually, it's, it's funny because I, that experience is very interesting because I went down thinking that, you know, I, I'm going to do this and do this and do this. And, you know, I love the guitar and I came out of it actually resenting the guitar in a, in a funny interesting. way. Yeah. And so I, I really turned to electronic music at that time because it was the mid nineties and stuff like, you know, I heard yeah. the prodigy. Um, I had a guy, which is down there who I was hanging out with showed me nine inch nails. And I hadn't heard Nine Inch Nails, and he's like, "Yeah, this is made of a computer." And I'm like, "Wow, great, great music." Yeah, I just like it. It was like my head exploded. I'm like, "I can't yeah. believe this!" Right? And so, I know I've been a a, a life or Nine Inch Nails fan or Trent Reznor fan mm -hmm. um, since then. And uh, so that really, you know, I, I came back and I was just kind of okay. I, I kind of lost my love for guitar, and I really like electronic music. So kind of dabbled, you know, trying to do, I had a buddy of mine, we worked on some kind of like dancier stuff, like prodigy sounding kind of stuff and kind of, you know, just trying to figure my way out, you know, that's figure, the song Firestarter, right? Yeah. It was Firestarter <laughs> and it was, yeah, they were good. Know, they were, they were great. I mean, they were, especially yeah. at that time because we just growing up in Canada and in Vancouver, it was a heavy kind of rock and folk scene, right? So electronic music like The Prodigy or The Orb. It was or, punk. Yeah, it was totally, totally unique. Like it yeah. was, you know, nobody, some people looked like I'd play it and they look at me like I was like, you know, Frankenstein or something <laughs> like that, right? And so yeah, I, I got really into that. And I think that was another step in my 
eventual involvement as a you know composer and a musician was being open this whole new realm and plus using computers like that was my first mm -hmm. like wow okay you can make all this music using computers and i can record stuff into it and uh yeah so i just kind of moved around um not really doing much just kind of trying to find my way as a, as you can say and yeah i i eventually kind of had this epiphany that like well i like video games and i like music <laughs> marriage made in heaven yeah so and then i just kind of started that slow 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 journey you know i just made a decision one day this is what i want to do and um whatever i need to do to get to where i want to go you know it's fine I'll, i realize the the unknowns and the sacrifices that will have to be made and um i just went for it and um just started putting together little demos and you know at that time email the emailing companies and mm -hmm. doing free stuff and um kind of moving my way up um so I'll come back to the yeah. process of um, you hooking up with Piranha Games and the yeah. in the video game uh, industry, but going yeah. back to yeah. um, getting burned out on the guitar, yeah. like when I so I think this is a very good example of the difference between a, an actual musician who uh, lives and breathes music um, and me, which was uh, a poser, a complete poser. <laughs> um, I got into music pretty much and, and being in bands for the girls. I can pretty much say that 99% <laughs> of the reason that I got into music and, yeah. and, and, you know, which is also why I sucked at it. I, I, you know, eventually after years of being in bands, you know, I learned chords and I, you know, enough to, to pose. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I looked around and, and all my friends in the band were just way better musicians. And so that's what made it so that I, eventually became a studio engineer and then basically the business side of the music because I realized I'm not these guys I'm not you know I don't have the 10,000 hours I'm not going to put in the 10,000 hours and uh and it like I said it was all about the girls for me so for me it was all about guitar and I was yeah. actually a keyboard player but I uh I picked up the guitar in a few of our songs just to play some power chords because you know I wanted the girls and they yes. don't look at the keyboard players so or they didn't in the in the mid you know 80s or 90s <laughs> totally. with the music I was listening to yeah um what do you think got you burned on guitar was it just because there were a million guitarists in LA at that time and uh you know a dime a dozen or it was just we were getting inundated with guitar music what uh what made you turn away from it for a little bit I think it was the the dime a dozen and I think the culture around it at the time I I don't know. I've always, and I'm, you know, for better or for worse, sometimes I, I will turn my back on something um, that is like, I think I was so evol involved in it at the time and everybody was doing it. I'm like, okay, well, I just feel like another number here. Um, so I turned my back on it to kind of step outside of that. Right. You know, other than I started talk, even when I was down there, I'd start kind of just having discussions with people, talking about all these bands that nobody heard of just to cause problems really <laughs> you know and yeah. and i think it was yeah i think just every it just yeah i think it was just a dime a dozen thing and i just i also was like i don't know if i want to there was something inside of me that I, I wasn't sure at the time but looking back at it now is that i actually wanted to create my music i, I think playing other people's music as a session artist right 
started to really lose its appeal to me at the time. Can you read um, music? Yeah, I can read music. I mean, I, I'm a bit rusty. I, mm-hmm. I actually just, I, I studied classical for a few months with um, some before I went down there. And so I actually, funny enough, I just dusted off that book um, right. over the holidays to start kind of getting back into reading. Because I, I actually love reading music. I love the theory behind music. Yeah. Um, I found it really interesting. So, yeah. It's just, math, right? It is. It is math. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, <laughs> there's a danger of getting boxed in. Yes. Um, which some I'm of always... my some of my favorite most talented artists cannot read a, a lick of music. Some really? some people that I think are also amazingly equally amazingly talented could read like nobody's business. But I definitely see that if you um, you know like some I've I've worked with studio musicians who can well only read music, and if you tell them to improv at all, nothing happens. Yeah, they just look at you blankly like what you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that's, that could be the danger, right? Where I still think, you know, music is a, um, it's a, it's, it's a, a personal voice, right? Yes. Um, so I think it's the education part's really important and it's, it's a huge part of a journey of, you know, of honing your craft. Um, but there's also the part where you need to be able to just not be, music should have no limitations and there should be no boxes no, to put no, in because no bounds, no, yeah. yeah. You defeat the purpose, right? Absolutely. You totally defeat the purpose. But um, yeah, so I mean, back to the main question. I just, I just lost, lost, lost my love of it, and um, sure, it was just. It took a long time for it to to come back. You know, I think it was always on the periphery, and I was always kind of dabbling with it. But to be honest, I mean, I used to, at the time, I mean, I was late. Like I was totally into all the shredding and all that kind of stuff. I could do all that stuff, but I, I just got bored you know gotcha. and working of music like of keyboards and um computers at the time was much was a challenge and it was much more at the time like interesting i guess um, so what's your go-to now if you get a if you get a little uh you know uh melody in your head or something are you picking up a guitar or are you sitting down on a keyboard um probably guitar now you know it's funny i i have kind of had this turnaround um where I've embraced my my love of the instrument, and uh, so now it's kind of my go-to in terms of like putting down ideas. Um, those ideas might come out in a song that has no guitar in it, but oh, that'll be the place I start because I'm not the best like pianist. I can't like I can play keyboard and I can get myself right. around it, but you know when you're when you have an idea of something. There's nothing worse than trying to like figure something out, right? And so, with a guitar, I can just like let it go, let it let it all come out, you know, hit record and just let it come out, and then I can take from that and 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 then build a song out of it. Um, unlike where keyboard, if I have, you know, if I'm trying to do a string thing or whatever, I'm like, oh, I, it's not sounding the way I want it to because I can't technically play that the way I want it to be. Mm-hmm. So I try and re- I remo- I've removed myself from that process and yeah. go with something that's comfortable. Unless it's a soundscape um, where I'll look for, you know, just kind of more of a vibe, you know, mm-hmm. so I'll find different keyboard sounds or different kind of ambient sounds and, or perc- a percussive thing, you know, I'll bang out some stuff on the keyboard, but generally sure. melodic ideas will now come from the guitar and they get transferred to other, other sounds. Sure. Right on. Yeah. 
So now you you said you kind of discovered the idea of uh, video games and and how audio could play into that and and the potential career. Um, how did that all come about? Like, what was your first video game job, and how did that all come about for you? Um, my first job—that's a good question. Um, Do you I have did... that 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 paycheck in a you know <laughs> you know in a frame up on your wall? <laughs> no, I should though. Um, what was it? I did, and I, and it's really embarrassing because this is almost this would have been 2001 2000 um and it was a a, like a tabletop war strategy game that was put into like a pc environment and oh for the life of me i i am very embarrassed i can't remember but i just did a, a, a couple music tracks for it and it was my first paid gig and nice. um which was pretty awesome because prior to that i was doing a bunch of free stuff and um oh now i'm kicking myself that i can't i probably i actually have the disc in a box somewhere do you remember um, what kind of music like what what did it they was, it was orchestral it was kind of like orchestral beds you know at the time it was i mean it's kind of funny actually calling it orchestral now because i'm sure if i listened to it i would probably you know run out of the room screaming because i didn't have orchestral samples it was using at the time, I had an old Roland 1080, and so I was using all the sounds with that to try sure. and emulate an orchestra. I think I might have, I had an sampler. I had an Akai S2000 yeah. sampler, so I might have had a few patches on there that I had dug up somewhere to try and emulate orchestral stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty poor, <laughs> but you got to start somewhere. <laughs> you absolutely do. And you know, that's every creator that I've ever talked to, whether it's music or an artist that's drawing or painting or people that create YouTube videos and, you know, look at me podcast, our podcast yeah. that we did 10 years ago. Um, it's, we all look back and cringe, but that's actually, that's like you were saying, that's part of the 10,000 hours. It's learning, totally. it's learning what works, what doesn't work, what you like, what you don't like, and just moving forward. And, uh, I can imagine your feeling of getting your first paid gig and being able to get paid to do music. What a good feeling. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Like I was, um, it definitely was like a, a confidence booster and, or kind of also like a sign that, you know, this is like all my friends are off doing different things or they were in school or they had kind of proper jobs going on. And, and I never, never went that path. So here I, to be able to actually make a bit of money doing something in audio at the time was pretty awesome. So it just kind of, kind of grew from there. I mean, I was, I did some more work at the same company, you know, I, a bunch of, smaller little games through the years and kind of started to try and bang on doors and look for new opportunities um and because i didn't go to school to learn any of this i was definitely learning on the job and i mean i'm still learning sure <laughs> you know i mean it's never every end, project right? right yeah yeah i mean even the mw5 stuff like now i'm listening to it, i'm like oh this should be different that should be different i don't like that this this and this of course but back then um it was a real learning process. Um, and so I was quite fortunate that I was able to find projects and, and make a living or get paid for it, at least at the time. I mean, I, I had to work other, another job, you know, mm -hmm. kind of 
moonlighting composer working through the day, right? Didn't get much sleep, but almost all of the musicians I <clears throat> hung out with or knew back in the day, that was the case. It was, yeah. you know, it, so back then to be a working musician, either you struck gold and you were a rock star, which sounds yeah. like you didn't even have that aspiration to be a rock star. <laughs> no, you know, it's when I was really young. Yeah. Like when I was first playing the guitar and I was really into the, you know, the MTV generation, but I remember I was watching a video, um, of a band and they were playing to like 20,000 people and just something kind of like told me that that's just, that is such a unique, the chances of that happening are so, so slim Yeah, that it just, the desire, I just, I just didn't have the desire to go in tour clubs, to, to be honest, you know, it's not my thing. <laughs> um, it's for a lot of people, but I'm a homebody. Yeah. I like to be home. And I like you to always be were. Yeah. yeah. Always was, you know, only child just kind of sure. like to be by myself and you know now a day is in my studio i'm not one to go out and, and tour and live on a bus and all those other wonderful <laughs> man I, I was so opposite and, and yeah. you, to me you're a rare bird as far as musicians go at least i as far as who i've been exposed to and met i used to daydream about you know touring shitty clubs in a van you know yeah. and, and it just roughing it i would read the music magazines and all these punk bands going out there and yeah. their experiences and i wanted it so bad you know and and but again i think that all comes down to i wanted it for the wrong reasons but but you know <laughs> as i was saying to make music back in the day you either struck gold and nobody did that that yeah. i knew um or you you know, you got really lucky and you found an in and you were doing like jingles or whatever, writing totally. jingle music and, um, or other working musicians I knew were, you know, playing some big club, they would be, they were the house band or something like that. Yeah. But I don't feel like there were as many opportunities to be a working musician back then as there are today. I may be wrong, but that was just from my perspective. I feel like now today, um, you know, there's a lot more opportunities, which also produces a lot more competition. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so from doing that in initial project that you did, your, your first paid yeah. gig in, in the video game industry, how did you go from there to finding Piranha Games? Uh, well, I, um, so that was about 2000, 2001. So I was continuing kind of working on other project. I, I did, um, what started to happen is I started to get bigger projects. Um, so I was moonlighting pretty much. And then I started to pick up some projects. I did a pretty big, like a chess game. And then I did a game that, um, what is chess music like really ambient, really chill, but it was a big paycheck for me at the time. Right? Like, so I wrote like nice. a bunch of music and it was just kind of bedded music to be in the background. Yep. And I love chess by the way. Yeah, totally. And, and <laughs> so it was a lot of fun to, to write for and. Cool. And I remember I, and I was getting paid in U.S. dollars as well. So at right. the time, the exchange rate was through the roof. You were making so, bank. Yeah, totally. You know, I had no responsibilities and all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah. you know, I, I got that gig and it, and it paid well. And then I was moving and then I, and then I was picking up some smaller stuff. And then I got another large project. And then I just have decided to be like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do this you know, full time, like I'm going to, um, quit my job mm. and, and just go for it. And, you know, the risks for me at the time were nil. I mean, I, I didn't have hardly an overhead. I didn't have kids or I didn't have anything right. that would, you know, make you think differently. Right. And 
within it. And so it was going well, I was picking up a lot of projects. Um, and then during that time, probably about 2004, I met um, Brian Eudes, who used to work at Prana. He was their initial sound designer. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he did music for them. I happened to meet him at a local audio group. And we got off, got on pretty well and stuff like that. And he was leaving to go work back east. Um, I think it might have been Ubisoft at the time. can't remember. And he recommended me to, to Russ and Brian. Nice. And... And so, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's hard to believe it's been 16 years. They, um, so I met with them and we got on, got on fine. And, um, and then Brian left, um, right, um, back East, not Ekman, but, um, Utes, And, and then they hired me onto a project at the time to do just sound design because Brian had finished the music and I hadn't done sound design yet, um, or I'd kind of dabbled in it. And so it was it was great because it was a, a situation where, cool, this is something I can learn and do, and um, it'll give me another uh, another avenue for employment, right? Because I think when you go into audio, as much as you know, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'd love to do just music, but in uh, reality, you know, it's you know, it's a hard, not a hard, but it's you know, you, there will be challenges along the way to go that path. So having a bunch of options to choose from, you know, that you can work on, I think is, is really important. So yeah, I jumped on that to do just the sound design and, and then it just kind of went from there. I've been, you know, working on pretty much most projects with them since then, you know, there was a handful that, um, um, did not, but pretty much most of them, I mean, Brian and Russ have been great to me. I mean, I've, I'm very thankful that they, uh, have uh, kept me around so yeah good guys now really good guys yeah sound design um i've you know i've somewhat been interested in it my whole life as well because i just like audio um yeah you know i've never dabbled in sound design but i remember like uh, you know when star wars came out reading everything i could about how they made the sounds you know like the classic one the the blasters i think it was somebody tapping on a metal fence you know with the you know uh, like, yeah. do do and then and then they you know adjusted or whatever um do you at now at this stage in your career do you enjoy music and sound design equally um i mean obviously it's great to have more skills uh, in your bag, uh, so that you can, you know, obviously be more valuable to an employer or whatever, and, and yeah. be able to do a, a myriad of things. But do you find them equally um, uh, fulfilling to you, doing sound design as well as music, or do you still prefer music over audio? Um, it depends on the day. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, uh, but yeah, generally, I think music is a little bit more fulfilling for me because I think a lot of the process that goes into creating music and producing music and mixing music i have uh, just a a a really general strong interest in Mm -hmm. um not to saying that those processes don't transfer over to sound design um but there are just something about the the creation aspect of music that i just definitely makes me feel a little bit more fulfilled i understand that with that being said though you know with sound design you know, maybe doing the individual sounds can be a bit, you know, sometimes a little, not tedious, but it can be a bit of a drag, 
but when you put them into a game, for example, and then you have it all come together, it's like it's almost like the sound design comes together as an orchestra, right? Or as a, sure. as a band, like all the pieces come the together. The layers, yeah. The layers, you kind of mix those around, and it's like, okay, this is really cool. Like, you know, like when mixing MechWarrior 5 with all the sound design, like, you know, working on some of those sounds individually, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> like, you know, sure, sure. It's just going to end. But then putting them in game and then, you know, mixing them around, it was like, wow, this is this is fun. This is fulfilling because it it's, it's a, a, a you know I, I feel like it's a full um, soundscape that I'm working with. Um, so well, sticking sticking with the sound design, how did yeah. how did you grow or how did the process change or what did you learn from going doing the sound design on MechWarrior Online to MechWarrior Five? I love. Well, first of all, I always appreciated your sound design in MechWarrior Online, obviously, but I think you um, just did a phenomenal job with MechWarrior Five. Um, and Thank it's, you. it's, it's not a reflection on MechWarrior Online, but yeah. like, where did, how did you grow? What, what did, what informed you from your process of doing MechWarrior Online first? Um, well, I, I think, you know, like anything, you, you know, as you, you, you do something and you evaluate it, you go, okay, well, what could be better? You know, what, what can I do that can be better? And, you know, MechWarrior Online was my first real move into more of a visceral or science fiction type sound design mm -hmm. um prior to that it had been more real world or more just as far removed from um the kind of walking around in giant robot concept and uh so when i came to mechware 5 i mean after so many years i mean on mechware online I, I had besides knowing more of what i want um my skill set has improved because you know I was always looking at new ways to make things sound better, how, you know, studying other other games or films, how can I make this, how can I make that sound better or sound like this and you know, it's it's one thing to hear how you want things to be in your head, but it's another thing to be able to take that and translate it into an actual, you know, in your digital audio workstation, right? To, to, For sure. to make it come out of your speakers the way you hear it in the head. And so working on MechWarrior Online and, and having so much time to um, work on that project, I, I think really was like a school. And so mm -hmm. I was able to boot camp. just boot, it was a boot camp, you know, for yeah. Mech 5. So when Mech 5 started to um, come to fruition, I was like, okay, I had a pretty good vision of how I wanted the sound design to go. I wanted it to be a bit more visceral. I wanted um, just a different a different vibe to it and um i think that uh it's a it's a more i mean another thing too is the tools as well you know looking into this as well is that the tools for MechWarrior 5 um are, are much more robust than MechWarrior online you know the, the tools are fine and they did the job but MechWarrior 5 we you know we use a middleware program called wise and it it having tools where you're going oh i'd like to do this and then you're going oh i can actually do that now um, right really makes a difference instead of trying to like hack things around or do workarounds you know and mm -hmm. um the middleware tools that we had allowed us to allowed me to try some things and, and, and do some stuff that uh helped with the sound i mean a lot of it came to mixing i mean there's a huge amount of side chaining going on right um and that allowed me to really 
beef up certain sounds, unlike in MechWarrior Online, where you know, you, you're in this mech, and so you have a huge amount of your headroom taken and your frequency, especially on the lower end, right? Like it's mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. gone from the footsteps and the, right. and the engines. Um, and there was no real side-chaining features, but in MechWarrior 5, I could side-chain all that stuff out in combat, so explosions and the weapons can keep can have a bit more to them right um which so they do which they yeah so it, you know it, it's things like that that i wanted to do in mwo um and i also you know just knowing how to mix and create sounds like you just you do it over and over and over and over you just get better and better and better at it and you know you learn how to use compressors better you learn how to use limiters better you learn you know you start to get a better ear for different frequencies you know um and that was kind of all those learning steps up to, to MechWarrior 5 that I was able to put into the sound and the mix of the game. Very cool. I, yeah. I'm going to ask a little bit. You, you mentioned some of your tools, your toys. I'm going to ask you some yeah. questions about your toys. But first, you mentioned that MechWarrior Online was kind of your first uh, venture into sci-fi. Are you yeah. familiar? This is just a reference. Are you familiar yeah. at all with um, Neil Norman? He's no. he, Okay, so he does all kinds of... Um, electronic reinterpretations of some amazing sci-fi like old school stuff like yeah. uh you know 2001 a space odyssey he does okay. tv shows like airwolf yeah. and all these themes that we've grown up with or that i grew up with and uh he does um electronic versions of it i totally dig him might want to check him out neil norman yeah. he's, neil, he's okay cool, well very cool. cool cool artist now but back to your toys because actually a lot of people within the community were wondering um and we'll get to some of the community questions in a little bit yep. but uh we're wondering what your favorite toys are like uh can you say like <laughs> maybe your favorite guitar your favorite um keyboard maybe a rack item that you love what are some of your favorite toys because i know oh, wow. man going into music stores and i i used to spend you know, six hours I'd go into yeah. a music store and I'd be there just playing everything, testing everything. <laughs> Musicians toys are fun. Totally. Um, wow. Another big question. I know. Another big question. Um, well, well, what's, your favorite... what's your main ax? That, that, I mean, that's like picking your favorite child. I know it is. Um, so do it. <laughs> oh, geez. They're not listening. I won't, no, I won't I'm let looking, them hear. I'm, I'm looking at <laughs> They're all looking them right at now. you right now. Pick me, oh, pick me. Well, I think the one that, has the most um history mm -hmm. you know um is i have a les paul standard from the early 90s Ooh, nice um black and i put some emg pickups in it and nice um, dude that kind of is my yeah i think i have the most attachment to probably historically and it's as it ages i mean it's 25 years old now or whatever it may be it just sounds better dude right yeah some of those old guitars are just, you can't recreate it. With all the yeah. knowledge that we have and the technology, I don't even know how to put it into words. But yeah. yeah, some of those old guitars, you just can't, they're just beautiful. There's something about the wood and the way the mm -hmm. wood matures and it dries out. Um, yeah. Yeah, but funny, you know, it actually, it got work on the MW5 soundtrack, but it, it, it didn't get a ton Um compared to other guitars just because of the tuning aspects you know i mean it's i have it in d standard um but most of the mech warrior 5 soundtrack was done on like more like a baritone guitar and um, an eight string guitar and stuff like that gotcha um, that one did more kind of just supplementary lines and stuff like that so yeah i guess if i was to pick one that would mm -hmm. be it 
all my That's other guitars baby. are crying and looking yeah. at me. <laughs> <laughs> you so, love them too. I do. I have like seven or eight of them, so they're all. Dude, the thing know. with with musicians and instruments is you can never have enough. I mean, you can. No. You're limited by money. You're limited by space. Yeah. But like, I mean, as a keyboardist, I had like five or six keyboards that you know they cost back in the day. 2000 each you know totally it's, yeah it, it's, so it's hard you just want you always want more because yeah. uh well now so craigslist too yeah i mean you, you i i'm always kind of because i know like i'm i'm capped like i think my, my wife would abandon me if I bought <laughs> any more guitars um so i'm kind of capped on my guitar purchases at the moment but i'm always right. on craigslist kind of checking stuff out like oh i'd love to get that or i'd love to mm -hmm. get this um chris what, what do you want most right now oh, so, i'm sorry go with chris what were you gonna yeah say? no chris um from uh, Piranha, he's mm -hmm. a guitar player, and so we're always chatting about guitars. And he just sent nice. me a link to. I have a Martin acoustic, yeah, but he sent me a link to a, a Dreadnought version of it. And I was oh just man, like, oh, they have man. great sound. Yeah, yeah. If I had the money right now, or sure, no cap. Um, so Craigslist is dangerous, but yeah, if I was, to, I mean, I'd love to get a Strat. Mm -hmm. You know, a Fender Strat. I mean, most of my guitars, I have a couple of Les Pauls, and yeah. I've always know, been I, a fan of Les Paul. I, yeah, I just I love, love Les the. Pauls. The look, the style. I love, you know, some of my favorite guitarists. Just again, I'm a, I'm a freaking poser. So I just, you know, <laughs> they look cool. <laughs> There's something about Les Paul. I agree. I just, you yeah. know, the humbuckers, the sound, the weight of them. I mean, yeah. my black standard, like it, it's like a tree trunk when you put it around your, your mm -hmm. shoulder, right? Um, but yeah, I'd love to buy a Strat. You know, it's yeah. one thing I'm missing: the single coil. All my guitars are humbuckers. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to get a single coil guitar in there. And um, I'd also like to, I mean, I have an eight string, you know, I'd like to get a seven string. And I mean, I could, there's so many guitars. I'd like to buy a classic um, Randy Rhodes Les yep. Paul yep. Um, from the 80s, a, a custom. But that's like four grand. So it's like being a car collector, you know, like Jay Leno, Jay Leno's garage totally. or whatever. You, you want Sean Colton's uh, music room. What, exactly. what, I, what, you, what, what we all want really is I don't know what you have up in Canada, but yeah. guitar center down here. You know, yeah. you walk in and there's 500 guitars on the wall. And that's what we really want. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. Lon McQuaid's is what it is for us up here. And it's yeah. the same thing. It's a giant wall. Yeah. guitars and you go in there and you're just like oh like i have to turn around i have to leave because yeah i know gonna, dude i gotta walk out i remember those days <laughs> it's so expensive being a musician <laughs> totally so what's on your amazon wish list as far as gear it doesn't have to be a guitar but what's like something that you well, you, you want um i'd like to get more outboard gear that's one thing i don't have a lot of you know a lot of it's done internally there's a lot of fantastic plugins i've been able to research out that i use that emulate a lot of external gear um mm. but i think get a really nice preamp you know one thing i'm missing is a really nice um a preamp um probably some compressors you know like just some of the classic old gear yep that i would i would love to get i just you know you're looking at a lot of money and it's just also like i have to look at like the costs and like well it's more it's smarter for me to buy like a newer string library at the moment than buying right. you know two thousand dollar being of external practical gear. yeah i have to be i have to be very practical and then that's one thing i've always actually been um is very practical like as much as i would love to spend it all on tons of gear i have mm -hmm. very practical in what i buy and what i use i mean my big purchase last year was new studio monitors um, yeah it was which was awesome they were very expensive but what'd you pick up uh, they're called Atom monitors, and they're eight seventy-seven Xs, and they're yeah. 
they're awesome. They're really, really sweet monitors. So, you know, those are more of the kind of purchases. So like if I was to say a favorite piece of gear for myself right now, is my new monitors because they just translate the music and the sound in a way I've never been able to experience before. That's awesome. Um, when I used to record and, and was running a studio, you know, we'd have, we had top of the line studio monitors, but yeah. do you do, do you like, I would always mix something and then go play it on every, you know, I'd play it on a car, uh, in a car system. I'd go play it in somebody's house system, I'd play it on Walkman or what, trying to always see, cause everything sounds good on studio monitors, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, it's funny because sometimes I would do it and I would be like, I'd have, I'd want to change everything cause it would just not sound the way I want. And I find as when you start throwing in deadlines, um, it becomes very difficult and it's also very dangerous because you could, you know, if I took all the MW5 stuff and I started playing it in every speaker in the house, like I, yeah. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have finished it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I like doing that as well, but it's also a, a dangerous place yes, to go. I, I have to put trust into my monitors and yep. my headphones and, and just, you know, I, I, I ref, so I reference a lot, you know, I'll, I'll just reference music mm -hmm. back and forth, you know, professionally made music. Um, yeah. And other gear, I have a Kemper, a Kemper, Kemper profiling amp, mm -hmm. which is basically a two rack space box that, um, emulates every guitar amp and cabinet you can think of and it's 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 pretty fantastic a lot of bands and a lot of studios are starting to use this now because it's it captures the vibe not a hundred percent but really close, close. really yeah. really close you, you kids these days man you got everything <laughs> <laughs> you know well, what we used to go through i mean we would have to buy all the equipment know. you know like oh to well, capture certain sounds, that's totally. one of the awesome things about technology. But on the other hand, you're not maybe maybe not you, but if you have that and you can rely on it, then maybe you don't learn so much about manipulating uh, amps and speakers and stuff to make uh, the sound that you want or whatever. Pros and yeah. cons again, right? Totally. I mean, I'd love to do that, but I also think it's um, a working environment. So when yes. you're when I'm trying to get a soundtrack done, um, yeah. I need to be able. To you need in. it now. Yeah. If I need a messy boogie sound, that's mm -hmm. what I'm going to get. If I want an old Marshall, yep. bang, you know, is, um, it's cheaper instead of yeah. having all those amps. And, and Absolutely. <laughs> in the in the right hands, it's an awesome tool. Now, yeah. I, you, you mentioned uh, the pressure of a deadline, and that was kind of actually segues perfectly into my next question, which is yeah. the process, you know, like, and, and we, I brought this up when, um, you know, in December when we were up in Vancouver. Um, just the pressure what is it like and i'm sure you can relate with people who you know maybe sign with a label and and they've got six months to put out an album or whatever yeah um that pressure of okay here's a project mech warrior five and it's coming out here and the music needs to be done it's not like um ordering something on amazon right where it's just <laughs> you want it and here it is it's delivered totally. what, what kind of what does that do to you when you know that you've got this deadline looming and you have to create a bunch of stuff out of nothing. Nothing exists right now. And by that deadline, you have to have all this music, all this effects, you know, all that. What it, what, how, what's that feeling like when you, when you first step in that direction of, of having a project like that? Um, yeah, at first it's, it's a bit of panic. <laughs> I would imagine. You know, I think, you know, just to take MechWarrior 5 is because, I was doing the music. I'm also doing all the sound design as well. So right. 
I had huge amount of work. Yeah, it's a huge amount of work. So, you know, it was definitely like, okay, how am I going to do this? And, you know, in the end, you just have to start looking at it day by day um, um, and start just pushing ahead as best as you can. And and you also have to make decisions really quick. Um, I mean, for me, I, my crunch time started last February, you know, 12 hour days, weekends, and then it moved up to like 17, 18 days near the end. Um, and I, I, and I think I made changes in my lifestyle to try and give me as much time as possible because it's all about time and trying to have as much time as possible. Um, so I just made a, a handful of decisions about how I can facilitate that. What can I do to make me not be in panic mode and to make me, you know, cause you have to be creative in all of this as well. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I think I liked having an end date because I could have spent three months on one song. Absolutely. You know? So I, you know, when I first started writing for this stuff, um, Really, the real session started took place last February. I had written some stuff, and they were in the pre demos or the demos of the game, but the real like meat and potatoes, I guess you can say, started in February. So I was kind of down to two weeks per two songs, um, writing out as much as I can get during those times, and then putting it into game. And so, and then hearing it in game, and then taking all those out, and then re demoing them, and, and you know, so. Right. It wasn't a situation where I could write all the music and then I had until, I mean, at that time it was September release, so I could write the music until August and put it in the mm-hmm. game and it's to go. I mean, I had to have the first round of it done by late spring or early, late spring pretty much. Um, and then and then take that, improve upon it, and then mix it. I like give it like record all the guitars properly, mix it, and and all everything else that goes is involved with that to have that done by um, September at the time. So as I said, like it's I, I actually work pretty good under pressure. I've I've realized um, because it makes me not it makes me make decisions, and it also I've realized for me personally is that I tend to have my best ideas at the first push. So when I work on something and I get an idea and it starts just flowing out, I, you know, in the past I would come back and analyze it and try and change it. But under pressure, I didn't have that time. So, and I felt that, well, you know what? I, I think this, the initial ideas coming out are, are good. Like they, they will work kind of thing. So that was a nice, I think, um, a learning process about myself that my first, my gut instinct initially was probably on the right path. And, you know, when you get, when you have that kind of confidence, it's a bit easier to move forward because you're not going to worry as much. Oh, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? It's more just kind of like, okay, just, you know, follow your gut instinct and, um, and, and go with that. Like, you know, if all that being said, you know, there would be changes I would make. And if I had, more time if I was just focused on just the creative aspect of it because you're also dealing with technical and creative and you're switching back and forth a lot so um where I'd like to have a whole day of just being creative that's just not the case like I have to switch gears and become more technical it's interesting that day. yeah yeah I, I feel like a, for if if you let it a song would never be done if you had that kind of, 
right? Yeah. Like yeah, if, totally. no matter what, if you, even if you thought it was done today, if you came yeah. back six months later or a year later, you're going to go, oh, no, I can do this. And you could literally have a perpetual song that never gets finished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, that was really, I mean, that was the toughest for me. You're not getting the in-game stuff, but the standalone soundtrack was probably the most pressure because it didn't have the game to hide behind. Right. You know what I mean? Like Yes, you know, absolutely. The music is in the game is that you can hear it, but the You've got a and, lot of other stuff going this, on at the yeah, same time. And you're inside of a mech. So yeah. that takes up so much space that you really don't hear a lot of the music. But when it's naked, so they um um as a soundtrack release, that's where I started to get, you know, it was really challenging for me because I'm trying to finish the game, but at the same time like mixing it and like re-recording guitar lines because there's like some of these tracks have like 80 guitar lines on them right mm -hmm. so there's just a huge amount of stuff and that was that was a huge amount of pressure i was i think the last two months for me were the toughest to to get it all done to get it mixed and and to be presentable as a standalone um and then like i mastered it myself and yeah you know i, I think looking back which again I, that's you know there's people who that's all they do is it, master yeah, exactly. albums or music yeah totally so, so you're wearing a bunch of hats yeah i mean i was mastering it like you know the day before i had to. you were writing recording engineering mastering doing the the, the sound audio for you yeah. know like everything i mean that's a huge undertaking when the game when the release was delayed mm -hmm. did that do anything to you did you like oh i can now go back and do this or yeah. this or, or were you done that was no 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 that was that was um that was huge that was really nice because i i, I think that would have been in i found out was it in, when was the announcement in july or something i can't yeah, remember yeah something like that um when i heard the when i got the news it was it was a relief because it would have been done things would have been done but i i was just like i it's just not going to be where I want it to be. I just, you know, I mean, you just had that yeah, nagging yeah. feeling in the back of your head. Like there was a lot of problems with the sound. It wasn't going the way I wanted to at the time. The music was half baked, I guess you could say at the time. Um, sure. I, I didn't even, wasn't even like starting to think about the standalone, um, yeah. which was a huge undertaking as well. So yeah, when it, the extra three months paid a lot of div, I think it, it, I was able to, um, make stuff sound more as how I wanted it to. I mean, you could always use more time. Another three or four months would have been great, but um, yep. everybody But then after that, that, another three or four months would yeah, have been exactly. great too, right? <laughs> you know, it's you just got to get it done and do the best yeah. you can. And um, so, but yeah, those definitely, those three months, those additional three months really allowed for things to improve greatly. Uh, I think the, the sound would have been, uh, it would have been really hard for me to, um, be as pleased and, and yeah proud of... you know yeah i mean because i'm pretty proud of what i did um and i think at that time i would have been i would have struggled i've been really questioning myself at that time so so it's interesting as far as the soundtrack the standalone um mm -hmm. the music being separated from the game i think that's a a big thing that people need to check out because it's easy with the game like you said you have so much stuff going on you got dialogue you got sound effects everything going on um you know, just real world noise or whatever. And it's easier to only kind of hear maybe the the blaring guitars when they come out, the guitar parts or whatever. And you don't hear a lot of the um, the other more, uh, you know, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Just mood music almost. And so yeah. what I found is when I listened to the album on its own, I just a whole nother layer of appreciation. It, it is absolutely, I recommend everybody that has access uh, to the to the digital album, the soundtrack, listen to it. And in fact, I uh, often tell streamers, just play that, t- turn off the in-game music and just play the soundtrack mm-hmm. while you're p- streaming the game because you can hear it more, your listeners can hear it more. Um, I found that that made me like it even more. Not that cool. I didn't like it in game, but I just couldn't hear a lot of the stuff during yeah. certain parts. And so, um, you know, I, I, I just didn't know about them. And so when I was able to just sit down and just close my eyes and listen to the album, um, definitely a whole new appreciation to it. Cool. Yeah, no. And that's kind of what I was hoping for because I mean, it's, it's definitely two different beasts when you, when you're doing the music for in game, there's a lot of variables besides just the soundscape. I mean, also you're you're inside of a mech, as I alluded to before. So yeah, you know, it's a kind of a unique situation where, and actually, most of the music is is tuned to, like, is most of the music is done in A minor, for example. Mm-hmm. The reason being is because most of the mechs will modulate in A minor, so the engine sounds will modulate. And I and I had to and make a did, des- decision yeah. on this because, you know, I couldn't have the mechs modulating it like f sharp and then i have written a piece of music in f like it may not consciously come through but I you're gonna you, know yeah it'll it'll be really it'll be create a dissonant feel man so, i never would have i didn't even think about that yeah I mean, what a huge impact that makes yeah. and especially people that maybe aren't uh, musically literate might not even consider that and so that that sets limitations on what you're doing. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, it's not perfect. I mean, obviously the mechs modulate up, you know what I mean? I initially, when I designed the mech sounds, I had it going up like a scale, right? So it would start right. at, at A and it would go up to like D or something like that. And I would have three or four points. You know, eventually I kind of made it more chromatic because it just felt better for the mech, excuse right. me. So musically, I, I had to make sure everything was kind of worked with that because, um and so you know most of the music is in like an a or a d um and most of the sounds kind of all mixed together there are moments when there are changes when i kind of up the tension and and whatnot but it generally has to stay in that layer so it all works well together um so you know that's one limitation and also how it's triggered um i think soundtrack by itself kind of has more layers and more depth to it it's not just like you know here's a guitar and bam 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 there's a you know there's a lot of as you said mood music and ambient music yes um so in game atmospheric yeah just a lot of atmospheric stuff and you know there's, there's acoustics and nylon strings and this and that and in um but almost in game, like, i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead sorry i was gonna say it's almost like um I, I sometimes get a feeling like John Williams and what he would do is Star Wars, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the music you would hear after the song ended and it was in your coming up to a planet or whatever. And it was just, just that atmospheric mood type music. Yeah, and, totally. It, exactly yeah. what it was. And, you know, another thing too, is that the way it was in game, the way it's triggered is because it's a fast moving first person shooter, you're kind of going from zero to 60 very quickly. Yes. Um, and that was also a challenge because when I initially, we started planning out how the music can get triggered in game, you know, I kind of wanted to have more variety in what comes out of the speakers instead of just quite loud. Um, but it was definitely a bit of a struggle because 
you would go from point A to point B so quickly and mm-hmm. then you'd be in a big firefight. Um, looking back on it now, I would definitely make some changes and maybe the music different stems would come in so it's not all in your face. Um, but in the when you play it in game, that's as you said, you kind of just get that one element of it where standalone yeah. you definitely have a much much more of the depth to it. I mean, some of the music ties into the story. Um, and yeah. So cool. Not to ramble on. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I mean, I'm I believe me, tangents all over the place. But this is yep. something I'm passionate about as well. Um I, I mentioned uh John Williams. Um mm-hmm. do you have people on zimmer or something like that that did that do soundtracks that have been doing it for a long time that are inspirations to you one of my favorite um kind of soundtrack or or movie slash tv uh soundtrack type people i I believe he's from canada is uh bear mccreary Um, oh yeah Yeah. huge huge fan of him ever since uh battlestar galactica um, and then he's done a million things since then, and I'm sure he was doing stuff before that, but that was kind of my first taste. And I, and I really appreciate, um, soundtracks, even like, uh, Blade Runner, you know, uh, yes. <laughs> like yeah. they, they literally can make the art form that they're a part of. Like, I can't imagine Battlestar Galactica without Bear McCreary's soundtrack. I can't imagine totally. uh, Blade Runner without that soundtrack. Do yeah. you have, do you have any soundtrack specialists that you're really into? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really like Thomas Newman, um, mm-hmm. probably cause I, I've always, I liked his stuff like on Wally and those kind of Pixar animations. I just, we were just it. talking about Wally last night, me and my oh, wife. Great oh, no movie. way. Like it's yeah. one of my favorite movies and probably one of it's my favorite awesome. sound, soundtracks of all time. Like I just love yeah. it. So, you know, I love the stuff he does, Yeah. you know, a guy like John Powell. I mean, you know, he did, um, he does a lot of modern, a lot of the modern day animation stuff i i really kind mm-hmm. of tend to go to animation composers yeah. for whatever reason i think i just kind of like the quirkiness mm-hmm. of them um and yeah of course like blade runner is a fantastic soundtrack and um i've always liked the old um spaghetti western soundtracks mm-hmm. um and uh the names are escaping me right now which is very sure embarrassing. but a lot yeah. of amazing music i totally agree uh yeah you know, just... all, all the classic stuff you know that Totally. Um, yeah, no, and, I, I agree. You know, um, yeah, uh, many names. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'll forget somebody, but yeah, there's a lot out there. Right on. To. So now we've talked a little bit about the process of the music. What happens when you're, when you need to make your effects? Like, let's say, okay, you're sitting down, you got your, your AC five or something, you know, yep. auto cannon that you need to work on. What do you do? You sit down and where do you go? Uh, well, I just, I have a, a ton of libraries basically of, different um cannons like just weapon sounds so whether it's probably like you know tank gunfires artillery and so you take those and then uh, the next spot i will go to is more i I use a lot of explosions and stuff like that like cutting the tail off and using the initial impact of the explosion to kind of beef it up and then more layers of like metal impacts and so you kind of take your initial stock sound and then you just put layers and layers underneath of it to give it a little bit more of a different vibe and those layers may only be um subtle levels but mm-hmm. if you take them out then you would you'll notice you notice <clears throat> you know and some will be pitched down you know 24 points or 12 points and right. you know some things are really compressed and whatnot so it's it's really that's kind of 
know, taking think, a library and a lot of manipulation and, and yeah. layering and so forth. <clears throat> Lots of layering. And I think, I mean, coming from NWO, like moving on to those weapons for MW5, I kind of already had a bit of a template of where to go. Um, and so I was taking those templates and just making it what I th would hope to be better and, and cooler sounding. Was there any um, difference between working within the CryEngine and MechWare Online and working with Unreal and what it could handle as far as audio? Yeah, yeah, I felt it definitely. I mean, we used, a lot of the work was done in Wise, um, but the integration to Unreal was pretty good. And I felt that it definitely was much more user-friendly mm -hmm. um, and a lot more ideas could be put forth that could be made to work. I mean, I was fortunate enough to work with a couple couple of programmers um, who were able to take the ideas and take wise and then work within Unreal and the blueprints to, to make it all come to fruition. But yeah, right. I, I really liked Unreal. And it's also for someone like me who, if I had to go into Unreal and, and work with the blueprints, it's something I can do. Like it's designed in a way that it's not restricted to certain skill sets, I guess you could say. Right on. Now, um, Russ has already mentioned, you know, upcoming DLC. Um, are, you, are you working on anything? Can you say that you're working on anything? Uh, yeah, I'm working on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to go too much in the details. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, I, I don't know what, you know, I, I would imagine more information is coming out soon. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm keeping busy on stuff. Cool. And um, I would expect, you know, I'd really like to put more music into the game through the year. Yeah. Um, and probably take a few different turns um, with some different styles and different mm -hmm. ideas. You know, I think it's time to maybe branch out a little bit. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, okay. So if you don't mind, I'm going to get to a few uh, community questions to, yeah. to, to finish the process. Um, uh, great stuff so far, though, man. I'm, uh, like I, I said, I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, this is a lot of fun. I could ramble on forever about audio. Uh, me too, and, and it, <laughs> we'll see what the listeners think. Um, first question is from Spit. That's his name. Yeah. Uh, and he's asking, what digital audio workstation do you use? Um, I'm or using also called a DAW, right? Is a that DAW, what? yes. I am yeah. using Studio One Pro. And that was a recent switch. I used to be a Pro Tools guy for mm -hmm. 15, 20 years. And I still have Pro Tools and I still use it. But pretty much everything has been migrated into Studio One Pro um, by Personas. And it's a fantastic. I, anybody looking for a new DAW? I mean, it, DAWs are a funny thing because there's no best one, right? Like, yeah. they, all, they all sound the same. It's all what works of works best for you and your workflow, and what will get you from point A to point B the quickest. And absolutely, I tried a bunch out earlier in the year because I wanted to make a switch from Pro Tools, um, and Studio One just fit. I was just blown away by it. So that's what I use, Studio One Pro. Cool. When I was in the industry, uh, Pro Tools was just coming about, and yeah. so like we were still using the ADAP machines and tape and. You know, to make edits. I, I mean, I sat there in the studio watching people cut tape to make edits. Oh, so cool. I'm pretty jealous of like these setups that people have now, just in their <laughs> freaking bedrooms. It's yeah, better than the the huge budget studios that it's, I used to work in. It's crazy. Uh, it's phenomenal. And then also, what's happened now is that the VST technology has come so far that 
you can emulate like your SSL boards and your Neve boards. That's and, so crazy, man. I mean, all this stuff. I mean, it's yeah. tape machines and everything. So that's yeah. so cool. All right. Um, unnatural flavors. He has a few questions. Yep. Uh, first one is what is the rough number of instruments you can play? Are um, you a multi instrumentalist? Do you consider yourself that? Yeah. I mean, I, I can sit down behind a kit and play a beat. Um, it's nothing fantastic, but it yeah it can go. I mean, I play guitar, I play bass, I play any kind of stringed instrument. You know, like my son's learning how to play ukulele, so I can play ukulele. Nice. Um, and then keyboards. You know, I I can play piano. We have a piano. Um, I'd like I'd like to learn. Like one thing I like to do is actually yeah study. You know, piano. But pretty much stringed instruments. I can pick one up and make something gooder. <laughs> okay. Yep. Gooder. Um, his next question is, is there an instrument or a piece of equipment you'd like to have, but you haven't been able to acquire it yet? I think we kind of covered that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, more guitars, more guitars, <laughs> always more guitars. Um, can you give an example of how long it takes you to go from start to finish? You get an idea or a concept or whatever. How long does it usually take? And obviously this can totally be, you know, vary, but, uh, uh -huh. from start to finish you're, you mentioned two songs in two weeks. Is that a good measurement? Yeah, I mean, that's not final mix or produce, but in terms of like, I mean, this is also depends on the length of the song. I mean, those songs, most of them are eight to 10 minutes broken into multiple parts, which is um, huge. That's super long. Yeah. Song. So, yeah, I, I, yeah it's, it's a good question because it really depends on time restraints. You know, if I have to write a five minute piece of music by Saturday, I would write it by Saturday. Right. You know, um, yeah. The quality level, I don't know, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I was kind of banging out tracks like a couple every two weeks for yeah. this. So that's probably a good, you know, measure right there. Which is is fast for right now. I've been with you know, I recorded punk bands in the day that would literally yeah. write their song in the studio. Yeah, um, but you know, it's a different level. It's it's a different beast that you're talking about there. Apples and oranges. Um, what uh, do you have any future plans now? Obviously, you're a cr contractor with PGI. Yeah. Are are you? Do you have other side projects? Is there anything that you're working on that you know might be in the future that uh, people that are a fan of your music can look for? Um, not not at the moment. I, I was so wrapped up with MW Five last year that I just really was focused on on sure. that project that I had. And we're thankful for that. Yeah, thanks. And I I haven't been able to really look past that yet I'm, I'm starting to look through the year and and um look at what else can be done like with the time like you know i, I you know prana is my priority yep. um, and, they, and they will be as long as i'm contracted with prana of course. um so it's about finding stuff that fits that won't um make me deviate from making me do the best job for prana right because it's I've, absolutely i feel so fortunate to be a part of i mean you know, I have a huge amount of um, thanks to to those guys for, you know, Russ and Brian and Matt's the one who initially brought me on to MechWarrior. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, I always feel that loyalty and always to be making sure that I give them 100%. But at the moment, no, there's, I'd like to do some other things, you know, I'd, we'll see what happens. I mean, I've done other stuff in the past. I've, you know, um, and this year there might be more time for it, so we'll see. How how cool would it be able to do you know be able to do like a Pixar short or something like that, right? Oh yeah, I I, I, I think 
long-term goals is I'd love to get into scoring to animation and stuff like that. So yeah. you know, there's a lot of things I need to work on, but it's where I'd like to go. Cool. Uh, next question is from at Super Helm Bros. Uh, he says, what is your favorite MechWarrior soundtrack other than your own? <laughs> How, did, you, did you reference any of them? Did you like go and listen to them or did you not want to have that influence yeah, your writing? I, I, I tried to stay away and that's no disrespect mm -hmm. um, because I think, you know, the soundtracks, I mean, obviously NW2 is like, it's a great one. The great it's a one. Classic. There's yeah. a reason for it. You, you know what I mean? So if I was to pick mm -hmm. one, um, you know, I would definitely say that one, you know, that was my first MechWarrior game as well. Yeah. Um, back in the day. Um, but in terms of listening and referencing, no, I, I, I was aware, but I, I just wanted to be a bit careful of, um, I, I kind of wanted to wear a soundtrack, I guess, you know, and it says no disrespect to anything else. And totally dude, I understand that. Um, you know, I, I, every, every piece of music for all the universe has its own unique place. And, um, I kind of wanted to keep that for for mechware five but you know subconsciously i bet you there was yeah you know influences there because i've heard them enough especially the nw2 soundtrack yep yeah it's i, I can totally understand wanting it to be your own and in, in your own voice and, and and so forth um yeah. and not sound like an homage or something or yeah or exactly um star wolf the next uh question comes from star wolf he's a streamer of uh, both MechWare Online and MechWare 5. And so this is kind of where his question is coming from, yeah. um, which is, have you ever considered live streaming your work or your process on Twitch? There's, you know, channels that are dedicated to that type of thing. Um, in fact, I, you know, there's some amazing musicians that I've watched on Twitch. Have you ever thought of going that route in, in as far as just another avenue to make money or to share your process or share your work? Um, you mentioned you're not really a live type musician, so maybe yeah. that's not your bag. Yeah, I've, you know, uh, stumbling on my words again. It's it's come into my mind a few times, you know, because I'll I'll be watching similar things myself and then yeah. thinking to myself, oh, like maybe that would be kind of cool to do. I think it's, you know, a lot of people stream stuff that's pretty amazing already, or um, you know, I I don't. It's I think I look at it like, what could I offer? You know, what could I show? Um, but I don't know, maybe part of me has thought about doing, showing the work process into going to create one of the tracks for MW5. I mean, yeah. especially the differences between, you know, the huge sessions for the in-game stuff, which is like two, 300 tracks of stuff in one right. session to like the, in, to the soundtrack stuff, which is shorter and makes more like a record. Um, so yeah, I've, I've thought about it there. I move ahead of it. I don't know. Um, I think you would get a lot of support. I, I know I appreciate those types of streams and people that, um, whether it's uh, sound design or music, um, being able to kind of, it's it's a very personal connection being able to see them do that stuff over Twitch. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, you know, I think, um, is I guess a little confidence thing to me, like, oh, would anybody really like care? You know what I mean? Like, is mm -hmm. it, you know, mm -hmm. so I, it's probably just more about me, like, thinking that, you know, nobody's Some insecurities. Really care. Yeah, you know, and, you know, speaking and, and presenting isn't my forte. Um, well, you've handled yourself excellent today for that not being your forte. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Cool, man. Well, I know that there would be an audience. Um, cool. Uh, but, 
Yeah. So now that's it from the, from the community questions for today. Uh, if okay. I missed any of your questions out there, guys, um, I will be sure to see if I can, uh, you know, send an email over to Sean and see if he can answer any by the, uh, the next podcast, which I can just cover, um, in the beginning, if, if I missed any questions that you guys have out there. So, uh, Sean, again, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time out in your day. This ended up being a lot longer because, what people don't know is we recorded part of the podcast and then I realized that the recording wasn't working. So we had to kind of restart. So, um, you know, and you're not feeling well, you got a bit of cold going on. So thank you so much for being here and, uh, for being my guest today. Well, I thank you. I mean, I really, I've been looking forward to getting on here and, and chatting with you about, um, audio and, um, this has been fantastic. I, I really loved it. And I hope that, uh, you know, I hope we can have you back. I'd love to be back anytime. Yeah, maybe after the DLC and we get some new music yeah. and, and so forth, uh, we'll get you back and talk For about sure. that. Yeah, I'd love to get back on and chat some more. All right, Sean, thank you cool. very much. You have a wonderful day, and uh, we'll talk again soon. You too. Take it easy. This podcast is supported by you, the viewer. Please consider supporting us in the following ways. Subscribe to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash NGNGTV. Become a podcast patron at patreon.com forward slash no guts, no galaxy. Shop on Amazon using our affiliate link at nogutsnogalaxy.net or shop our new merch store featuring our new NGNG logo at nogutsnogalaxystore.com. This was your local No Guts No Galaxy MechWarrior podcast signing off for tonight. This is Darren. Until next time, MechWarriors. It'd be best if you avoid me, but I know you probably can't. You sense something is wrong with me. You can feel it on my skin. But there is more within Maybe I can be closer now But I don't know how Please help me remove my metal skin My metal skin My metal skin And the wires Just a little off The truth is at one time I was But now I'm a robot Forever